0: Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet.
1: Mike, you doing all right today? I'm doing all right. How are you? Man, I'm doing great.
2: Good.
3: So, my AC drain line connects into the plumbing underneath my second sink that I have in my master bath. Uh huh. And whenever the air conditioner is on, I can hear it it makes this intermittent popping sound like once every two seconds. And the noise is coming up through the drain. There's no air pushing out of the drain and there's no clog of any kind. But that noise was pretty annoying. But if I put my pop up drain down, you know, you can't hear it. But do you know what could be causing that noise?
1: Uh Oh. More than likely, what's causing it is there probably is a little bit of air blowing in there. And it's take a look at where the uh, AC line hooks in and see if it's possible if that's lower than the exit line on the other side of the P trap. uh, It's underwater and it is blowing a little bit of water. And what you're probably hearing is just the gurgling uh, as it's just a small amount of air blowing.
3: It is kind of a gurgling sound, but it's it's a consistent sound. It's like yep. you know you hear the pop and then two seconds later pop, pop. Yeah, cause, because pop,
1: pop. the the AC air coming through that little three quarter inch pipe is going to be consistent uh-huh. when that unit is on, and so it's it's right. going to be just like a timer, just click 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 doing yep. it, and uh, yeah, that's just the air blowing through it. So the the simple fix. Like I said, take a look and see. I bet it's down at water level. And the simple fix would be to reconfigure it where you have it up just a little bit higher so it's not underwater.
3: Okay. Okay. But but other than just being annoying, um, it doesn't hurt anything, does it? No. Like I mean like it is. Okay. Nope. And put and putting the drain down putting the, the pop up drain down to, to stop the noise, that, that doesn't doesn't That's hurt anything
1: either. Not gonna hurt a thing. Okay, awesome. Now, All Mike, right, well, you know what I heard there? Again. What? I heard somebody who just doesn't want to do a, a, a project right now.
3: Well, that's not exactly <laughs> true. Um, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just curious. You know, yeah. Just curious.
1: Nah, it, it really, uh, truthfully, if it was my own house, I'd close the drain and not worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Take care, well, Mike. Thank you very much. Hello, Jared.
0: Hello. How, you How doing? are you? Good, I'm I'm good. Hey, um, I want to redo my bathroom. Uh-huh. And my wife, we have wallpaper on the wall now. Do I need to take that off to paint it? Because she wants to go back with paint. Okay. Can I well, paint over that wallpaper, or do I have to peel all that stuff off?
1: Is it on nice and secure right now?
0: Yeah, it is.
1: Okay. <laughs> And is it truly paper? It's not vinyl or, or the the uh, oh, metal paper. stuff. It's, okay, it's, yeah, you can paper. you can go right over it. Now, here's what I would recommend you do, though. Okay. Paint it. Paint it first with a uh, primer sealer like Zinzer primer sealer. Uh huh. And what that'll do is it it seals it up. Any place where it bubbles a little bit, you can just cut those bubbles off, and yeah. then take some sheetrock mud and every place where the seams are in the wallpaper just mm-hmm. float float over it so that hides those seams and any place you had to cut the bubble out you can float over that as well at this okay. point you can now texture it paint it or do you know whatever you want to do with it
0: okay so uh, paint over it first with that sealer yep and then if it then, bubbles, cut it out and put the plaster.
1: Yeah, the, the sheetrock mud.
0: Sheetrock mud, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I can texture it and then paint it. Yep. Okay. Well, I was told I could do that, but my wife says, no, you can't. You can't do that. I ain't going to cause anything but a problem.
1: Nope. That's, a, said, that's well, the way it's done all the time. Okay. The The key step, and, though, is going to be that primer sealer because that lets everything blister before you get something else on it.
0: Okay. And then the vanity, she wants to paint it, so just just paint it. I yeah, mean, you a, can just paint over that.
1: Is it a wooden vanity?
0: Uh yes, sir. it's what I guess came in the house when they built it.
1: Okay. Uh yeah, you sh- if as long as it's wood and not a vinyl paper over it or something, uh yeah, how old a house? Uh
0: twenty two years old.
1: Yeah, you're gonna have to check it then because that's the time frame where they started using particle board that just had a uh, a vinyl cover on it, and that mm-hmm. won't hold the paint very well. But as long as it the, and uh, but most of those had wood facings on the front, yeah. And use a deglosser on it, like pesos or something.
0: Okay.
1: And then you can prime it and paint it.
0: Okay. Well, that's what I needed to know,
1: Jared. I you take care. Time. You bet. Bye bye. Right,
0: thank you. Mike, as
1: promised, you're first here on this hour of Texas Home Improvement.
0: Hey, Jim, you're a great American. Love the show. I listen when I can. I have a house over in Lakewood built back in the 50s, only in the master bedroom, and only when I take a hot shower do I get the rotten egg smell, and it, I think it's coming up from the drain because if I take a shower in the guest bath, I don't have that same smell. How do I get rid of that?
1: And do you only smell it when the shower's running? yes. Okay. Now, it, it, it could be a, a couple of things, and, and I'm going to make the assumption you had just one water heater, right? Correct. Okay. So it can be that you've got some dissimilar metals. Unlikely, though, because normally if water's running through dissimilar metals, you'll get a burst of that s- smell, but then it's gone. You're probably correct. It's down in the drain, and if you'll take the plate cover off the drain down there, you're gonna find it's probably yep. full of sludge down in there, and that's what's giving off the odor. When the water's running down through it, it's it's stirring it up and letting it off gas. When you shut the water off, then it gets encapsulated in the water, and it, and it quits uh, giving off the gas. So you probably smell it for a, a minute or or two after you shut the water off, and then it dissipates and goes away. Correct?
0: That's correct. Yeah.
1: You just need to clean that P-trap down there real good. So the first thing I would do is get me one of those little hand crank snakes. Okay. And uh, if you'll take and uh, run that through there, that'll loosen up all the gunk. Dump boiling hot water down through the pipe to help flush it out. Uh, And truthfully, when I'm doing one, I will normally spray like scrubbing bubbles down in there and use a toothbrush to clean as far down as I can reach, and then dump the boiling water again, and that usually takes care of it. Okay. I appreciate the help. You bet. Take care, Mike. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. 1-800-288-9227. That's 1-800-288-9227. If you notice, I didn't use liquid plumber or any of those type of products because I just... Haven't seen them work on cleaning that sludge out. It it just it's it stays. It doesn't get rid of it. Let's head to Midlothian. Hello, Nancy.
4: Hey, Jim. How are you? Wonderful. Excellent. I just absolutely love your show. Um, it, every time I listen, I swear I learn something, and uh, <laughs> and I don't have to call in with my problems. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, you know, I need Uh, calls, though, to keep things going, so you just feel free to call.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I am calling today with kind of a weird problem, and I don't know. Um, We have um, a house is a ranch style, and uh, in the master bedroom and um, bathroom, Uh, and then there's a closet beyond that, a walk-in closet, so... Um, the walk-in closet, the bathroom, and the bedroom are all you know, in the master suite there. But it is so dusty.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And and I mean compared to the rest of the house. Now, I'm not great at housekeeping. I, I know that. <laughs> but um, I'm, uh, I could go every other day and vacuum, and I have to dump my vacuum a couple times just in that room. Uh, okay. Is there... It, it what could
1: be causing that I'll tell you what Nancy I got to take a really quick break here when we come back sure. I'll give you an answer on this one because there are uh, several things that it could be and we'll see if we can narrow it down when we left I was talking with Nancy okay Nancy the, the, the dust is kind of limited to the master area and closets and bathroom there correct yeah, yes yes now it. let me ask you a couple real quick questions you doing okay. a lot of candle burning at that end of the house?
4: Uh, no, never hardly. Okay,
1: because, and this is just for everybody listening, a lot of candles will put out a lot of dust, and it really makes a, a mess in houses. So how old a house are we talking about?
4: Uh, okay, Um, it's uh, probably about uh, 18 years old, I think.
1: Okay, so it's not old enough that the insulation should be degrading yet. Uh, you're getting near it, but... You know, And that's only if it had a cellulose type or a uh, wool type insulation. If it's got fiberglass, that doesn't ever degrade. So the only other things that can possibly be causing this is if there's a leak in the AC ductwork going to the master bedroom, it'll actually suck dust out of the attic and spread it into the living space.
4: Oh, really?
1: So have oh your AC guy check the ductwork. Okay to find if there's a, a leak somewhere.
4: Oh, my goodness. Okay. I mean, it, it's a marked leak. Um, yep. It's just terrible. Um, yep. Well, that'll do it.
6: David,
1: welcome to Texas Home Proving. How you doing? Um, I got a garage. It's about
6: 24 by 24. It's got vinyl siding on the outside, but vinyl soffit and everything. There's no kind of roof vents on that thing at all. Okay. Uh, shouldn't I... Should I do something about that, like a turbine or something?
1: Well, yeah, you should have something up there. Uh, Now, the garage, is it open, or does it have sheetrock and stuff in it?
6: Uh, No, it's open.
1: Okay. So if you put some type of ventilation up there, that would help with the temperature in that garage quite a bit.
6: That's what I thought, because, I mean, it's it's really, really hot when you open the doors. But do you... Or do they still make turbines, or is that not a good way to go? They I've never do. Really it, it's it's a lot of them anymore.
1: Yeah, it's definitely not my favorite way to go. Uh, ridge vent is typically my favorite way, but you're down on Galveston Island, and they do make hurricane-type uh, ridge vents. But truthfully, with an open concept <laughs> garage like you have, where there's no uh, sheetrock rock or anything like that, I personally would look at putting a solar-powered fan up there. Uh, It it would go in the same just like a turbine does, but it operates off of the sun power. They can automatically come on, you know, when the sun is out, beating on it, and the temperature goes up. They also can have humidistats on them, and so basically it would be automatic. Anytime the garage starts heating up, that thing comes on and starts moving air.
6: Where can you buy something like that?
1: Oh, any... uh, well, even the building supply stores like Lowe's and Home Depot have some of them, but uh, they're available any any place that sells roofing materials and building supplies.
6: Oh, okay, well, cool. I have one other question. I've sure. Got, the house is brick, and in between the sliding glass door and the entry door that goes into the laundry room is probably about a four-foot section. Across the entire back of the house, only that part looks like the brick is, like, kind of coming out at the bottom and then going back in at the top, and there's actually a gap in the mortar, and it seems to be getting bigger. I mean, it's currently probably about three-eighths of an inch. Okay. But uh, it seems to be getting bigger. Would that be a foundation problem?
1: Kind of sounds like it. Yeah, the crack is small at the bottom and gets bigger as it goes up.
6: Oh, no, it goes sideways. It goes. It's probably about, oh... Five feet off the ground, and it goes from one side to the uh, It goes from where the sliding glass door is about five feet over to where the entry door into the laundry room
1: Yeah, that's usually not a foundation uh, issue, then. Usually that's something on the in, inside of the wall pushing out because, you know, between the brick and the studs is usually dead air space. And if something get got down in there, and it's very easy for that to happen, like uh, the backside, the mortar on the brick is usually not cleaned up real well, and if some of that dropped down and you get some expansion and contraction of building materials, it'll start bowing the wall a little bit, and that kind of sounds like what you may have going on.
6: Wow. The only way to fix that would be to pull all the brick off and move it?
1: Possibly. Uh, there it goes. You'd have to have a brick mason take a look at it. Okay. All right. Sure. Thank you. You bet. Take care. Okay. And, you know, not all cracks are related to the foundation. Typically, if you're going to have a foundation crack, uh, you know, it's usually like a corner of a house going down or something. The crack will be tighter at the bottom, and as you go up, it'll tend to get wider. Now, if a house has piers on it already and, you know, the corners are being held up, then the middle of the wall sags. Your crack will be tight at the top and open at the bottom. So the cracks actually do tell a story as far as what's moving and how it's moving. Uh, So that's just one of those things you got to look at to know exactly what's going on. But when it's a, a straight crack, horizontal crack going across the house, that's usually something's gotten in there and wedged and pushed the brick out a little bit. Let's head to Woodlands. Jonathan, welcome to Texas Home Improvement.
5: Hi, Jim. Thank you very much. I had a question for you about a garage. I've got a three-car garage set up. There's uh, a two-bay door, and then there's a single door. It's pretty wide. Uh And space is kind of running slim. i was wondering how much of a pain in the butt it would be to raise uh, the roof on the single side. Over the double side, there's a bedroom there, but the single side... It's just a, a lower roof. How much would it take to raise the roof and just make that a, a high roof or high ceiling garage and put an auto lift in there? I know the auto lift is about 3000 but how much would it take to redo the roof and you see any other problems I would need to look up for?
1: Well, uh, the only other issue you'd have to check is make sure that the foundation, you know, is going to hold the car lift, and I see no reason why it shouldn't. Uh, but – as far as raising the roof, so is it straight wall where the, uh, in the roof above the single car ties into the wall right now? Yes, sir. Okay, so you're basically just talking about taking that off, going up, and, uh, you know, putting the roof higher up. Are there any windows up there or anything?
5: I mean, over the two-bay, it's a bedroom, but there's no windows where the extension would be. It's just faces the driveway and the on the back side of the house.
1: Okay, then this should be very, very simple to do. Uh, as far as cost, mm, you are probably going to be looking, and this is strictly a ballpark without even you know looking at it or anything. And you just need it high enough to r- put in the lift and, and lift the cars in there. So it's not like you need to go all the way to the top of the roof for the two car for the uh, where the bedroom is up there. Correct.
5: Um, I guess I wouldn't need to, but for aesthetic purposes, I would think that you know if you just made it look like that room above the garage is bigger than it was, then you know it wouldn't look odd on the on the front of the house.
1: Well, how's the roof tied in now?
5: Uh, I'm not sure what you're asking. Well,
1: isn't it a step down where it, you know? Yeah. I guess yeah, what I'm getting at down. is you can just take that same style of roof and raise it up five, six, seven feet or whatever. And not have to tie into the roof on the two-story part. You could tie in up there if you want, but I mean, you, you've got options. But okay, you know, I what I'm, I'm guessing you're going to be ballparking something ten grand, and I could really? be way the heck off on that. Okay, i don't
5: Thinking a lot more.
1: <laughs> no, I don't know because you're just talking framing and then putting the siding back on. So it, you're not talking a major construction job here. Um, okay. I'll tell you what. If you'll uh, call over to uh, Texas Remodel Team, okay, and talk with them, because you're you're right in their neck of the woods there, mm-hmm. and uh, they they'd be able to uh, talk to you about it and and get you fixed up. let me see where I got there. Uh, hang on one second. I'll give you their phone number. Okay. Well, let's see. Uh, there it is, 844-335-0692.
5: All righty. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. You bet. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Yeah, now if you were talking about having to put in a bunch of plumbing and, and all, all this other stuff, then it gets a lot more expensive. But just to, to raise the roof and do that part of it, no, nah, it, won't, it won't be all that bad. Now, when we left the last hour, we were talking about AC warranty, and the question was, who is responsible? Well, the person who installs, the company that installs the AC, is the company or person who is in charge of registering that unit. Now, the question comes up, because unregistered, you got a five-year warranty. When you register it, you get a 10-year warranty. Who's responsible for that? The unfortunate thing is more than likely going to be the builder didn't sell a 10-year warranty on the AC. The builder sold it as, here's the AC. There probably isn't going to be a whole lot you can do. Now, I'm not an attorney. I can't uh, say for sure that there's nothing that can be done about this. But more than likely, because it wasn't sold by the company as a 10-year warranty, I'm not sure there will be anything that can be done. Philip. This is Jim. Welcome to Texas Home Improvement.
2: Oh, hey, Jim. How are you?
1: I'm doing wonderful. How about you?
2: Doing great. I was fascinated by your conversation about the uh, AC system. I bought six townhomes in Denton, and I had kind of a similar problem.
5: Oh,
1: yeah. It's actually a fairly common problem.
2: So through a lot of investigation and research, I I have a tremendous heating and air conditioning um, repair company that I use but what we were able to determine to help other callers that you're right, uh, there's an automatic five-year warranty with most of the heating or air conditioning components if they're not registered, if they are, it is 10 years. But the problem came in with the supplier, who's a wholesaler, selling it to the installation company, and they did not document, the installation company did not document right, and did not file the warranty properly, but... I had recourse because they were fairly new. I bought these units uh, as investment property, and they were three years old, so they were still under the warranty, but I was right up against the first five-year warranty, literally that month. What we were able to determine was the year they were built, the month they were built, when the electrical permit was pulled, and when the CO was issued, and when they were actually turned up and operational.
1: And so you were able to go back and register them then?
2: We we were able to do that, but we got a step further because my installation company actually found out there had been a lawsuit against the manufacturer for defects in. This was the coils that failed, and we got those paid for on the equipment side completely. The labor, I still had to pay out of pocket, but we did get some compensation for that.
1: Which And that's even when you get the 10-year the extended, a lot of times that's, that is that way where it's the part but not labor.
2: Exactly, yeah. And if you get the full warranty, you get the labor included for a period of time but not the full period of time always. And it's very frustrating because they actually admitted that they had a manufacturing defect, I guess, or maybe there was no fault. But it's very frustrating if the installation company is building – it's usually a contractor that has bid the project to the builder. So when the right. gentleman the gentleman before asked about, can you go to the builder, usually the builder has multiple contractors, and he uses the low-cost bidder, obviously.
1: Yep, yep. Well, and, and I happen to own an AC company in Houston, and so as part of our installation process, we have to register those in order for people to get that extended time. Uh, the manufacturer doesn't know when it's installed and all. They only know when they sold it. And exactly, so, to the distributor. Exactly. Uh, well, and, and even the distributor doesn't know. He only knows when he sold it to the installer. But I can tell you a lot of companies have, you know, a lot of the installers have their own warehouse that they keep units sitting in there sometimes for a month or more.
2: And yeah, so, this one actually, yep, it, this one is got, for three months. Yep, yep.
1: Yeah, it's it's got to be. Registered through the company that did the installation,
2: and and the other challenge, you know, is if you build custom builder is building a spec home, and he installs the air conditioning and he's using it, say, as a model or show home, the warranty has to be assigned to the homeowner.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: And they don't, but they don't know who that is, and that home can sit for several months operational.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. And if if it's a track builder, heck, it can be sitting there for a couple of years that way.
2: Exactly. So there are recourses, and what I would recommend to anybody is to investigate online the brand and the serial number and get that to uh, the wholesaler in the area who sells that equipment. And usually the parts houses are very cooperative in getting you with the manufacturer's rep and if there's any recourse for recovery of funds.
1: Now, you, you mentioned you found this before the five years was up. um I don't know if they'll work with you after the five years, but, yeah, b- before the five years, that that's good that they were able to, to take care of that.
2: Well, if you can find a company like maybe yours or an AC company that will go to bat for you, sometimes they can. There's residual funds left over from the litigation and the class action suit that was right. settled a year or two ago. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, Philip, I appreciate it.
2: Good, man. We'll talk again, Jim.
1: All right. Take care. What is the best product overall to seal concrete and brick on new construction? Well, really, you're just looking for a masonry sealer. Uh, Now, you want to go to a regular construction supply store. And by that, I mean you're not going to Lowe's or Home Depot and buying Thompson's water sealer for this. You go and get a regular construction masonry sealer. I personally go to uh, HD Supply, White Cap, uh, they merge with each other. And just ask for a masonry sealer, and they they will have what you need. The nice thing about using that type of product, you spray it on the brick, the concrete, whatever you're putting it on, it soaks into it, but it doesn't leave it to, uh, any type of residue or color change. Uh, so it will take care of what you are needing to get done. Without having to you know worry about what it's going to look like afterwards, so uh, and you know that's with a lot of things uh, you you want to watch where you get your stuff and, and I, I go into Lowe's and Home Depot myself. Don't get me wrong, but you got to watch what you're getting at those stores because faucets, lawnmowers, uh, different things like that have been dumbed down. To sell in volume to these stores because they insist on getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And what you get is a cheap product then. And so just be buyer aware that uh, you got to watch what you're getting when you go into one of these stores. And, uh, you know, if you're just going into, like I say, I, I go in and get tape and I'll get, you know, different things. And I'll even buy light fixtures sometimes, things like that. But I know what I'm buying and I'm not looking to get top-of-the-line stuff when I'm buying it there. And you just got to be aware of that. This came in from uh, Denise, or Donnie's, and it says, A while back, I heard you comment on roof colors and that a dark gray or black roof is often used in the Houston area, and why? Can you help me out with this information? I'm trying to convince my husband that a brown roof doesn't look good on a dark red Brick house with white trim. But he thinks black and dark gray will run up the electric bills too much. Well, here's the deal. If you use a black or dark gray, or quite frankly, even a light gray, yes, it may heat up a little bit more during the day, but truthfully, not that much. But come nighttime, it releases the heat rapidly. You can use a light color like a light tan or something like that and yes during the day it won't heat up quite as much but at night it's very slow to release that heat and so you have a longer period of time that you're still pumping heat into the attic and what does that do? It keeps the insulation heated up which runs the electric bill up. So there are two, two school of thoughts, just like your husband was, is talking about. But if you're going to be gone during the day, everybody's going to work and school and things like that, you're better off with the darker color so that it releases all that heat at night. So that's, uh, that's where the th- rule of thumb comes from. Now, if you want to still go with a light color, they do make white shingles. They look like heck after a little while, especially in the Houston area, and that's the other advantage of the darker shingles or the gray shingles. That pollution that settles on the shingles that you see on those tan and brown shingles, those streaks don't show as much on those gray shingles. So, you know, there are benefits beyond just the AC bill to look at as well, but uh, quite frankly... Uh, with the red brick, white trim and stuff, I would be looking at a dark gray type shingle. Uh, It would look gorgeous. And you know what? You're not really going to see it on the energy bill, especially with today's building techniques. This comes from Steve and Carrollton. I've listened to a few answers on your show for this topic, but I still have questions for underside floor insulation. I would rather not use spray foam, We try to avoid added chemical exposure and spray foam is a chemical process that does off gas. My wife has sensitivity to certain odors and compounds. The vapor barrier is my main concern as I have read where vapor barriers aren't really necessary in our area since moisture will naturally move in and out of materials due to atmospheric conditions. And there really is no way to isolate or seal the moisture gain movement using a plastic barrier. We recently built rooms above the garage and have pulled down the drywall ceiling in the garage, so the floor rafters are exposed from underneath. Hmm. Okay. My thought is to put unfaced R21 insulation bats between the rafters as they are 16-inch on center and using the heavy gauge metal rods to hold the insulation up in close intimate contact okay with three-quarter inch floor decking the flooring I use is three quarter inch engineered wood plank and I did use a vapor barrier adhesive applied to the recommended thickness to form a moisture barrier to protect the engineered flooring material from quick Quick changes in humidity from the unconditioned garage below to the conditioned space of the rooms. Do you see any problems or issues not installing a poly vapor barrier on the garage side of the insulation? Well, in Texas, we don't use plastic barriers. We do use Tyvek, which is a breathable material, but if you use a plastic barrier... It will sweat in there and cause you all kinds of grief. So, yeah, don't do that. Uh, As far as even putting insulation on it, you really don't need to be worried about putting insulation on floors that much. I know a lot of times people think, oh, it's going to save me a ton of money on the energy bills. It really doesn't. Because not that much air goes through the floors. You've already got another layer of wood floor on top of it. But... The bigger reason is it holds moisture. If you put fiberglass insulation, cellulose insulation, wool insulation, all of them will hold moisture, and it holds it against that wood and starts it to decay. Now, is this going to be an overnight process? No. It takes several years for it to decay, but the repair once it does decay is massive it becomes extremely expensive. And that is the reason for the spray foam insulation, and it has to be a closed cell if you do it because that acts as a vapor barrier and insulation, but it doesn't hold moisture against the wood. And that's the reason that that you use a spray foam type. But honestly, even when they build brand-new houses, there is no insulation in that attic ceiling between the attic ceiling and the floor above i would leave the insulation out Uh, keep the garage ventilated and and you're fine now even crawl spaces don't need insulation keep them ventilated and you won't have to worry about it Uh, and and ventilation is the key thing and a lot of times in the winter months people want to close those vents up thinking they're going to uh, help with their energy bill and keep it from getting cold underneath there. The temperature stays pretty consistent year-round underneath crawl space homes. In the w- winter months, it stays warm. In the summer months, it stays cool. It's p- fairly consistent. But if you start closing up the vents, the humidity levels skyrocket, and that is the kiss of death. Uh, and those new floors you put in, if, you, if your humidity levels start going up, Even though you've got that moisture barrier, vapor barrier uh, type adhesive, it still could cause an issue. Why take the chances? So I I personally would leave it alone. If you want to put something, uh, you know, then yes, you do need to take a look at the closed cell foam. And you're 100% right. When it's first applied, it off-gasses something fierce. That does dissipate. And once it's set up, it's not off-gassing any longer. So, uh, I hope that helps you out with that, but uh, I, I really am trying to discourage you from putting any type of insulation, fiberglass, cellulose, wool, any of that stuff, simply because it will cause moisture issues for you. So, this is a drainage question, comes from Fritz in Conroe. I have owned the house for a year, and we generally have moist ground everywhere. But the hot, dry weather has left my entire lot dusty, dry, except that under my pier and beam house, the sandy dirt is very wet. We do get standing water in a couple of areas under the house in heavy rain, but shouldn't it dry out in this weather? Do I call an engineer or to talk grading or a drainage company? I have not found one so far. I look forward to you to your comments, Fritz. Well, you can call Due West. We do drainage work. Uh, Houston, you would call 713 473-7156, Dallas 972-406-0912. But it will stay moister under the foundation in that crawl space than it will outside. The sun's beating on the soil outside, dries it out quicker. In a crawl space area, the sun's not able to beat on it. It will stay moist, but it should not have standing water. And after a certain period of time, you really shouldn't be feeling that moisture on the surface. And we're kind of in that time. So I'm, I'm really questioning if, if there's not something that's leaking underneath there. And I have found strange things leaking under foundations before. I've... I found one house, you know, a lot of times people think about water lines and sewer lines, things like that. I found one house, they put an addition on it, and didn't take the old irrigation pipe from underneath. And so every day when the irrigation for the yard went on, this sprinkler head would pop up and water underneath the crawl space. Created a real mess, not only for the wood but for the flooring in the house as well so to answer your question no there shouldn't be standing water and yes it should be looked at let's figure out what's causing the the issue uh, and get that taken care of and I think you'll be much
0: better off you've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement for more information about our show go to THIPro.com